All right, talking about the Holy Spirit, it's time to go in. Let me read the doctrinal statement for us this morning. It says, and by the way, uh, we're just, we're going to go late. I don't know how else to say it. I've got way, way, way too much. I thought it was, it was fair on a weekend where we're talking about the Holy Spirit to say the Spirit led me to go late, right? So um, we're going to, I'll try to dial it in here. But everything that we cover is in the sermon notes. If you go to our Church Center app, you can click on sermon notes and you'll see, uh, honestly, almost just a copy and paste dropped in there from my notes. Okay, doctrinal statement. Here we are. By the way, we're in a season called Theology for Everyone because theology is for? Theology is for everyone. You're a theologian. Whether you believe it or not, whether you believe in God or not, you have a theology about what you believe about God and what he does. Whether or not you do believe, you do have a theology of him, about him, and what he does. So as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have to know what we believe. We've been following a really simple outline, orthodoxy, what is the correct belief, orthopathy, what does that do to my heart, my pathy, my heart, and then orthopraxy, how does that come out in my practice? So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you have to know what you believe about the Holy Spirit, you have to know what that does to your heart, and then you have to know what you do because of that, right? So we're forming theology the whole summer we've been in it. I've absolutely loved this season. I've really loved your feedback on it as well. Theology is for? Okay, then let's become theologians this morning. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a divine person as part of the Trinity, The Spirit had an active role in creation and in the inspiration of the Scriptures. The Spirit gives us life, fills us at salvation, and empowers us to live like Jesus. Read the last part again. The Spirit gives us life, fills us at salvation, and empowers us to live like Jesus. I told this story a long time ago, but uh, it just kept coming to mind when I talked about misunderstanding a person. Uh, There was this time where I was in our living room, and uh, my daughter Zion had just been born, and she was playing on the floor of our living room, and I'm I'm sitting there reading my Bible like good little preacher would, right? And then all of a sudden, I see this guy in a hooded sweatshirt bolt across my back door. I mean, straight across my back door. I popped up. I I got Zion, I ran into the bedroom, and I said, Anna, take Zion, go to the closet now, there's somebody in the backyard in a hood, call the police. Anna's like, and I I reach in my nightstand, I pull, I have a nine millimeter in my nightstand, and I ran outside, yeah, I was going to handle business, baby, we're in Texas after all, right? And so I had this night, I was running out there, and I was going to, and Anna is following me out, and I'm like, go to the closet! I said to go hide in the closet with the baby. So she's on the phone with the police. I go to the backyard. I'm looking around for him. I'm walking around, looking for him. He's nowhere to be found. I go around the corner and I see him rounding the front of my house. And I was like, oh no. So I took off running through the inside of my house. I hear Anna on the phone with the police. She's screaming on the phone. There's a man in our backyard. My husband's going after him and he's got a gun. I'm like, man, I can't run around the front of my neighborhood with a pistol, right? So um, 
I toss it on the kitchen table. I run out there and I see this guy and he's going around the side of my neighbor's house now. And I was like, okay, not today. And I took off running. I came around the corner. He was right there standing next to the side of the house. And I mean, I hit this guy like a linebacker. I went running around, just boom, hit him, drove him into the fence. I put my forearm against his chest and I said, what were you doing in my backyard? What were you doing in my house? And he starts hyperventilating. He's like, and he pulls down his hood and he said, sir, sir, he said, I'm with Entergy. I'm a meter reader. <laughs> Lifts his hoodie up and he's got this Entergy polo on. He's like, it's my, it's my first day. I couldn't I could find the meter. And I was like, darn it. It's like, man, come on, I'm sorry. We walk around the corner of the house. The second we walk around, police cars are flying into the neighborhood. They're getting out. They're like, sir, put down the gun, put down the gun. And I'm like, I said, officer, we have a major misunderstanding. I have really missed it on this one, right? There is, if, if you think about that story, and thank God for uh, how that all worked out, because I was just, I was in a mode to protect my family when I went out my back door, right? But there could have been a major, major mishap with a misunderstanding like that, right? You misunderstand a person, you can cause some major problems. I think one of the biggest challenges when it comes to the Holy Spirit is he is a person that is so misunderstood that it really clouds what we believe. We're like, well, I, I, I just don't understand. Some people do this, some people says this doesn't happen, some people act like this, some people said the Spirit said this, some people are this. and there is such a misunderstanding of the person that we miss out on who God has given us to walk, lead, and empower us. The Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is not a whisper to my heart that tells me something. The Holy Spirit is not healing. The Holy Spirit is not power over temptation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit is a person. We have to come to this understanding. I, I am a preacher, I preach, but preaching is not who I am. But what happens if all that you love about me is preaching? Then when I'm not preaching very good, you no longer like me anymore. Or our relationship is based on a gift and not on a person. And when we begin to glorify a gift and not a person, we miss out on the whole for a mistaken part. There are denominations that have built their entire theology on a gift of the Spirit, missing the person of the Spirit. And listen, I'm a charismatic. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm at an Assemblies of God university. I graduated my master's with a four, from a four-square university. But I'm, I'm telling this, we, when we get so wrapped up in the gifts, we miss the person, we're not catching the whole and we're sacrificing it for a part. And we have to know the person of the Holy Spirit. The gifts will come, the gifts will move, the gifts will make, the gifts will do the work if you know the person. The gifts will mess up the work if you distract it from the person. If all you think about are the gifts, we, we're gonna talk about Acts chapter two today, and people will take Acts chapter two and they will reduce the Holy Spirit to speaking in tongues. 
22 times in the book of Acts, people are saved and filled with the Spirit. Three times they speak in tongues. Again, I told you, I'm a charismatic. I've preached an entire season of messages on this, okay? If you go to our YouTube, in fact, I would encourage you to, Dove, Wind, Water, Fire, and a bonus message on tongues, and you can hear all about what we are talking about right here. But I feel this conviction when we form theology. We cannot form our theology on a gift. We have to form our theology on the person. And when we form our theology on the person, the gifts will come. So we've got to dial into the person of the Holy Spirit. So today, I'm gonna introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we're gonna do. Uh, and I promise you, if you track with me through the front end, the last part is going to make a ton of sense. I'm gonna give you an Old Testament prophecy and then walk you through timeline, gospels, and acts of how the Holy Spirit, how he shows up and when he shows up. And, and we'll see from a gospels and acts perspective, we'll see from a Pauline perspective, and then we'll finish with what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. So when you talk about a round theology, a all-encompassing theology, this is not merely Pauline theology. This is not straight from just the book of Acts. This is not from the other epistles. This is from the totality of Scripture. What do we see about the person? Are you ready? Okay, let's meet this person. John 2, 28 through 30, or John, Joel, start with the prophecy. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Catch this, blood and fire and billows of smoke. This is a prophecy of the baptism of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the church, okay? And Joel is saying there will be three things present. There will be spirit, there will be blood, and there will be fire. All right, let's jump to the Gospels, and let me give you a timeline of the arrival of the Holy Spirit through the Gospels. Starts, number one, with John the Baptist. He prophesies of the Holy Spirit coming. Matthew 3, verse 11, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, so we have, again, a reconfirmation of the prophecy of Joel that the Holy Spirit and fire will come and baptize the church. So number two, spirit descends on Jesus at baptism. Matthew 3, verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So the Spirit of God lands upon him, the Spirit of God fills him, and the Spirit of God empowers him for ministry. Look at the very first thing that happens right after the Spirit of God lands on Jesus at baptism, and he comes up to do his ministry, Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. From this point on, the Spirit leads, empowers, and ministers to Jesus. Number four, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, though it is not yet come. John 7, 39 says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. 
but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Then we have John 14 through 17. Throughout all three of those chapters, you have over and over and over again, Jesus saying, it is a good thing for me to leave. The Holy Spirit is coming. The helper is coming. The advocate is coming. Over and over and over, he's telling them the Holy Spirit is coming. So now let's transition to the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is coming. Acts 1, 4 through 5. Once, Jesus, once, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see how this is all coming together, right? Jesus comes, John is, John is prophesying of Jesus who will come, baptized with the Spirit. Jesus shows up, he is, he is, the Spirit lights upon him, empowers him, and then Jesus says, the Spirit will come when I enter into glory, and now Acts is saying, it's coming, wait around, don't leave until it comes, and the Spirit, will, and you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is the moment that the Holy Spirit baptizes the church in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues, what do we see? Fire. What is present? Fire. What is there? The Spirit. Keep listening. Then what looked like flames of tongues a fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's put everything together from the prophecy of Joel. It's the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was the 50th day and the final day of the celebration of Passover. It's when they raise the, the sheath offering and they say, we're done, Passover has been celebrated. Passover is a festival to celebrate and commemorate God's deliverance and freedom that he gave to the nation of Israel by slaughtering a lamb, putting the blood on a doorpost, and the angel of death passed over them. So at the festival of Passover, you have blood Everywhere, it is the celebration of blood. You slaughtering animals, it's on your clothes, it's on your garments, it's on your doorsteps. So blood is present, the spirit is present, and fire is present. This is the moment where it all comes together as the baptism. Listen, Peter will confirm it. So the Holy, Holy Spirit falls and baptizes the church. Then a crowd rises up and says, these guys are drunk. They're all speaking in tongues. They're wasted. Been to that charismatic meeting? I have. I've been like, what is going on here? These people are ripped, right? So they show up and they're like, hey, they're, these people are drunk. We don't know what's happening. And Peter comes and Peter preaches this sermon. I promise we're almost there. Follow me. We're almost there. Acts 2, 14 through 16. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Verse 16. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. It's where we started. The prophecy of the spirit of blood and of fire. He, Peter is saying it is being fulfilled right 
now. He quotes the prophecy, and then in Acts 2, 32 through 33, he says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Now he finishes, Acts 2, verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Spirit. From this moment on, the Holy Spirit comes, indwells, empowers people to live like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. If you pick up reading the book of Acts from this moment forward, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of ministry happen. You're going to see a lot of supernatural happen. You're going to see a lot of the gospel, the kingdom, the spirit move. And it's going to look identical to what Jesus did when he was here on earth in the gospels. This is also the fastest growing time in church history. Early church historian Alan Hirsch says that the AD 100, there were as few as 25,000 Christians. In AD 310, 200 years later, there were upwards of 20 million Christians. Listen to this. In two centuries, under persecution, with zero technology, no structure, and no history, Christianity became the most significant religious force in the Roman Empire. Why? Because we are not teachers. We're not philosophers. We're not politicians. We are people empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and evangelize culture and change the world. That's what we are. That's what the Holy Spirit did. Here's the problem. We've gone from being practitioners to philosophers. We've gone from practicing exactly what we see by the Holy Spirit's power to being philosophers of it and debaters of it and arguers of it. We'd rather sit and argue about speaking in tongues than just live by the power of the Holy Spirit and see culture transformed. We become practitioners again because we have the power. This is what we have to understand. The person of the Holy Spirit has come. Let me, let me just read you our orthodoxy here, okay? So we've made it to point one. Oh, you know what? We're not going to be that late. Let's dive in. So what do we believe about this person? There's your timeline. That's how he shows up. That's when he shows up. That's how he operates. Fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Joel. What do we believe about the person of the Holy Spirit? Here's our orthodoxy. The Holy Spirit is the person of power in me and for me to live like Jesus and do what he did to fulfill the mission of the church. Acts 2 and on, that's all that you'll see. The Holy Spirit empowering people to live like Jesus and do what Jesus did to build the church, to fulfill his mission. In fact, uh, man, I put a 
a, I think, five, six examples from the book of Acts. I already read you Acts 2, 1 through 4. Let me give you another one. Acts 4, 28 through 31. Look at what the ministry of the Holy Spirit did. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, listen to their prayer. Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. What did they ask for? They said, we're under persecution. Give us great boldness to go and preach your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, look at this. After this prayer, what did they pray for? Boldness to preach the word. The meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? Preach the word with great boldness. What did the Spirit do? The Spirit empowered them to do exactly what they asked him to do for the sake of the gospel. What They said, give us boldness to preach the word. Holy Spirit comes, fills the place, and they're bold, and they're preaching. If you need a dose of boldness, you need another dose of the Holy Spirit. If you need strength, you need a dose of the Holy Spirit. If you need provision, you need guidance, you need, you need a dose of the Holy Spirit. It's what we see. He is the person of power, empowering us to live and do the things that Jesus did to build the mission of the church. Let's jump down Acts 6, 8 through 10, guys. I love this example. There's another one in your notes. Uh, this is a good one. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performing many miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. Verse 10, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. It's an empowerment in ministry. There's another example from Acts chapter 10, but we see it over and over and over. The Holy Spirit is the person of power that lives in us and moves through us so that we can live and do the things of Jesus to fulfill the mission of the church, which is to save the world, which is to evangelize culture, which is to see people transformed. He is the person of power. How many, man, you know what's getting out of control these days? Kids' electric cars. Kids' electric cars, ridiculous. I mean, it, hear me. If your kid, oh man, this is dangerous. If your kid's driving around in a pink Escalade or an H3 Hummer with 20-inch rims on it, electric, you know, there, there, is a, there is a saying from an old man, how does he say it? He says, uh, if you, if you raise your kids, you'll get to spoil your grandkids. But if you spoil your kids, you'll wind up raising your grandkids. Right? I'm just saying, pink Escalade to me. That's like, <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. Kind of. But they're, they're out of control, right? I mean, they're, 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 they're seven, eight, nine hundred dollars And it's like, it's like parents bragging rights. Oh, my kid drives an Escalade. Well, my kid's got a Hummer. My kid's got a John Deere. You know, like, it's like this, this whole arguing thing among parents. My neighbor had one, and it was the electric. Uh, it, 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 I've never seen it before. It was the dual power one. You familiar with this? So the kid, Cody, can sit there and drive it, and he's rolling around in it. And then when dad wants to take over, he turns a switch on a remote control, and then he's got the power of it. He can control it. So this guy would sit in his driveway in an office chair, drink beer, and remote control car his son around. If that's not winning a dad life, I don't know what is, right? 
And so we're over there, and I'm like, man, what are you doing? He's like, oh, watch this. And Cody'd be, you know, driving through everybody's yard, and he'd be headed for a tree, and all of a sudden he'd flip it over, and he'd just turn him, right? And Cody'd be just driving, and he'd just turn it around, he'd bring it back, and then, okay, we'll let him go again. He'd turn it off, and he'd, you know, watch him go, and kid would be driving around, and he'd be like, oh, look, let me, me control him again. And he had this ability, when he found himself in trouble, he could take over the power and navigate around it. Listen, when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, where do you need power? power in your marriage? Do you need power? Then you need to welcome the Holy Spirit into your marriage. In your home, do you need God's power? Then you need to welcome the Holy Spirit into your home. At your work, do you need God's power to overcome difficulty or temptation or a tough environment? Maybe in you, do you need God's power to overcome angry, bitterness, frustration? Then you need the Holy Spirit's power. He is the person of power that works through us so that we can live and do the things that Jesus did to build the mission of the church. That's what we believe. He is the person of power. Okay, how does that change me here? So I know he's the person of power. I know he is the person who empowers me to live and do the things that Jesus did to build the church. How does that transform my heart? This is our Pauline theology of the Holy Spirit. I love where Paul takes the Holy Spirit and the evangelism of the Holy Spirit and the exterior work of the Holy Spirit and he brings it right to the center of your chest. He said, here is, here is what the Holy Spirit will do to you inside of you. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. He says, I pray <clears throat> that from the glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ, only then, when the spirit is within you and it is empowering you and it is strengthening your inner man, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The Holy Spirit is the interpreter of God's love to his people through Christ. What does the Holy Spirit do to my heart? It interprets to me the love of God. It shares with me the love of God. So you'll know how deep, how wide, how long the love is. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I... Uh, I have a friend who, well, he's not, he, he wasn't a friend. I thought he was a friend until he played this trick on me. You know, when we first moved to Texas, uh, we thought it was so cool to live somewhere that had palm trees. We, we came from Kansas and we're like, man, we've made it. Look, there's palm trees around here, right? Like we're living in the tropics. We're living in, in somewhere incredible, right? And so we thought it was so cool. And when we, when we bought our house, we wanted a palm tree so bad. And I had a friend who I thought was a friend. He's not a friend. Listen, anyone who offers you a palm tree for free is not your friend. They are setting you up. Am I lying? They are setting you up up. He's like, oh, it's like four feet tall. Do you want it? It's in my backyard. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have a house with a palm tree. We're like really rolling, right? And so he's like, yeah, just come and, and get it. It's yours. Come to my backyard, load it up. I'm like, do I even need a shovel? It's four feet tall, right? So I get there. Here's what I did not know. 
I did not know palm trees have one of the most ridiculously elaborate root systems you will ever experience. I spent four and a half hours trying to dig around this palm tree to get this palm tree out of the ground till finally I said, forget it and I'm not fixing your yard either. You ain't no friend of mine. You set me up with it. And you know, of course he's busy. He can't help me dig, but he can show back up and be like, it's palm tree yet, right? But it is, I mean, palm trees root system. So the way that they work is they grow out and as they grow out, they grow deeper up to three feet deep and they create this bulb. And out of this bulb, it's literally like two hands that start growing and it just grabs a hold of the ground and it creates this giant bulb of a root system. The reason why is palm trees are found in areas where hurricanes happen and hurricanes come with high winds. And if you watch on the news or you see these things where the wind is blowing and these palm trees are standing when cars are flying, right? They have this elaborate root system that runs so deep and so strong that it cannot be shaken. So what Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is to our inner man. It is our root system. It is the root system that grabs a hold of your heart and it begins to encompass your heart and it begins to run deep in your heart. And as it is running deep in your heart, it is telling you the love of God through Christ. What did Paul say he's interpreting? He says, so the Holy Spirit becomes your root system and he digs down into the inner man and he strengthens the inner man and here's what he strengthens him with. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and you may know the power and you may have the power to understand, the person of power. You'll have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. To understand how God feels about you, though not fully, because no man can fully understand, to grasp the love that God has for you, the, the longings that he shares for you. It is the Holy Spirit that becomes the root system to our inner man. What does the person of power do to my heart? He becomes the root system. He becomes what stabilizes me. Oh no, paper towel please. I can't believe I just did that. I kicked over a, a water. Okay, it's not moving. It's not moving. Holy Spirit, keep the water in this place. <laughs> wow. You, so you don't see what I see. I see us having to take a love offering to fix the LSC speakers, right? You're just like, oh, I spilled water, no big deal. No, we'll, we'll get it. It's stable now. Okay, back to the Holy Spirit, root system, God's love, and the container of water. All right. Three. Here we go. So what do we do? Let's finish here. What do we believe? The Holy Spirit is the person of power that strengthens me to live and do the things that Jesus did. What does that do to my inner man? It becomes my root system. The Holy Spirit is the root system of my heart interpreting God's love to me and letting me know how much God loves and cares for me. So what do I do? It's easy. I go be the person that Jesus was. What does the Holy Spirit want me to do? Go be Jesus. It is empowering me to go be Jesus. 
To be Jesus to my family, to be Jesus in my marriage, to be Jesus to my children, to be Jesus to my favorite baristas at Starbucks, to be Jesus everywhere that I go, to be Jesus in your dorms, to be Jesus in the classrooms, to be Jesus in the marketplace. What do we do? The person of power empowers me to be Jesus and strengthens my inner man so I can go be Jesus. It's the end game for the Holy Spirit. Look, Jesus over and over and over shares this. John 14, verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Anyone who believes in me, you're gonna do the same works that I have done. But then listen to this, and even greater works. Think about this. Jesus walking the face of the planet, doing what Jesus was doing, living how Jesus was living, is saying to us, you're gonna do what I do. Better yet, you're gonna do even greater than I do. Why? Because I am going to be with the Father. And he continues to elaborate, John 14, 15 through 17. Same story. If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, circle it, Numa, Holy Spirit, and who, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. What did Jesus say? He said, you're gonna go do what I do. You're even gonna do greater than what I do because the Holy Spirit is coming. And when I go, the Holy Spirit will show up and he will empower you to live and do the things of Jesus to build the mission of the church. John 16, 7, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus wraps up this John 14, 15, 16, 17. Go home and read it over and over. He says, I'm going away and this is a good thing. I'm going away and this is a good thing. Why? You're going to be greater. You're going to be stronger and you're gonna do more. How? The power of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit that will come and will lead you to do all of the things that we're called to do. He leaves and it becomes better. What do we do? We go be Jesus. You know, the other day, um, actually a couple months ago, I updated our, Jay, Jay, you're the best there is. Would you guys give Jay a hand? Just in time, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're perfect, okay. Um, so. The, the other day, I, I was updating my life insurance policy, right? Just came time. It's like, okay, I updated it. Um, and I updated it to 1.5 million. And then if it's an accidental death, it's 2.5 million, okay? So I update this and I go home and, and a couple, I was a couple months later, Anna and I are talking and she's like, you know, I just don't know what I would do if, if something happened to you. And I said, I'll tell you this much, if it's an accident, you're gonna get two and a half million. Would you believe her countenance changed? <laughs> I, I mean, I felt it. It went from what would we do without you to what would I drive without him? <laughs> Where would I be on the vacation, right? And I was like, hey, I, I'm feeling a little like, but no, when I was in the meeting with the life insurance guy who I've known for years, that's what we talked about. How do we make it better without me? 
add another million, add another million, right? No, but how do you, I mean, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, I'm going away, but when I leave, he's got far greater than an insurance policy. He gives us the person of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live and do the things that Jesus did and become the root system of our heart so we can go and change the world. We have the power. We become practitioners again, not just philosophers, and watch what God will do.